Friday, Friday, got a G on Monday. Hallelujah, hallelujah, it's Friday. The weekend's here and we'll have a kid of me. We'll relax, hallelujah, hallelujah, and take off our slags. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and sit around the house in a rotten underway. Hallelujah. Hello, friendos. Toast name is Chad Dukes. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. It's the Chad Dukes Radio Show. It's not Free FM. So give Chad a call. Here's the number. 385-645-5375. It's Miller time. What is that now? Twelve hands in a row? Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it. There but for the grace of God, it was me. Where the nickel's eyes hell and the damage dead wins. We roll over New York, never let us back in. We blew out the lights, kicked the windows in. And when the law showed up, said they're gonna have to take us in. Hey there, boy. It's your pal, Sweet Daddy Jim. That's right. I got a new nickname, and I like it. We had a solid week of shows. I am now T-minus four days away from the start of my bathroom work. As we are currently speaking, or as you're currently hearing this, I will be meeting with the superintendent of the company that I'm working with to create a plan for the bathroom. So that's exciting. And uh, as soon as he shimmies his sexy ass out of my house, you guessed it, Black Adam. Oh, Dwayne Johnson, how I love him. Christ, all right. Monday, Tor had himself a big date over the weekend. We had a new movie trailer debut, and the boys broke down what was week six of the NFL. On Tuesday, the Soup Scoop with Joe Soup was back for its second installment. Dukes briefly touches on Halloween ends, but nobody else saw it. And a show member was acting super passive-aggressive. Wednesday, the Virginia Pizza Crusade, well, they had an emergency meeting. Uh, Turns out someone may have a worse life than I do. I don't know how that's possible. Joe and Monk, turns out they have an ongoing beef. And we have a special guest, the shirtless Puerto Rican. He made one hell of a purchase, and he regales us with a happy story. So that's nice. Thursday, even though Shude has a theory that... uh, Ant-Man's feeling the footsteps of Mr. Joe Soup. We have our weekly installment of the BMI. We try some new snacks. We go over food stories. Ant-Man's dumbass claims to not like a specific fruit. And somehow, we got the shirtless Puerto Rican out of the house for a second night in a row. And my God, did he embarrass himself. Thursday evening, we saw something special. Shoed Solo 6. Ended up in the feed for our subscribers at 7 p.m. Dukes goes in depth on his feelings on Halloween ends, how businesses are being run these days. He has a great phone interview with Denver Michaels, who has a new book coming out. And he answers listener emails on Ask Shude. 
So that was four days, five shows. Now this, this is a third straight week of six episodes. You're welcome. My work, though, this week was cut down severely because, well, Chad, Chad did most of the work. I've got his interview from Shoot 6 with Denver Michaels. He's talking about paranormal, and, you know, Chad goes into what it's like having a Sasquatch for a producer. There's a, a bit of an issue with Monk and his cell phone, which is, God, it's so funny. And that movie trailer that we debuted, There Will Be Soup, coming to a theater near you. But what I'm super excited about, I have a brand new piece of audio. Nobody has heard this yet as Duke sat down with Vanessa and Joseph Winter, the actors, writers, and creators of that recently released horror comedy, Deadstream. You might remember that we just reviewed it on the Fortress Film Society on that special Halloween edition that we did. Enjoy. On November 12th at Flying Ace Farm in Lovettsville, Virginia, the Chad Duke Show will be hosting the Son of a Santa Double Oaked Bourbon Release Party, including a Thanksgiving dinner buffet, a live podcast, prizes, special guests, and much more. Save the date, everyone. November 12th at Flying Ace Farm. It's the Chad Duke's Show. Good-looking Friday out there to you, everybody. Very excited. Joining us on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline, Monk's Barbecue in Percival are the uh, the writers and creators and directors and producers and all types of really, really fun and scary horror movie that is on Shudder right now. Can't recommend it enough. We reviewed it on the last Fortress Film Society. Very rare. We all dig a movie and we all dug this one. It's called Deadstream. Uh, You can go on Twitter at Deadstream Film and get some details there. Uh, but Joseph and Vanessa Winter join us now on the program to discuss making that bad boy. Guys, thank you so much for the time. How are you? Good. Hey, yeah. thanks for having us. Look, it's such a it's such a, a treat to watch a movie, have it beamed into your home, and then be able to talk to the people responsible. Um, first of all, congratulations. I follow a lot of Rotten Tomatoes stuff. It is so hard to get the audience and critics to agree on anything and they they all seem to agree they really like your movie. I know I don't know if you check that stuff as much as, you know, movie fans do, but when when you see kind of a consensus that everybody's digging what you created, what what does that feel like? It's been really fun. I think that like what you're saying, it was pretty surprising to us too. We were not expecting an agreement between critics and fans. We thought that we were making something that was very niche. Uh, we knew that there was an audience for this kind of horror comedy, but we weren't expecting it to kind of break wider than that. So it's been really fun to see. Yeah. It's, oh my goodness, of course we check. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want this just to be me telling you how great you are, but there's a couple things going on here in this flick. Um, one is when people try to update film to use modern technology, that can get really ham-fisted and really annoying at times. And somehow you made this seem very current and very relevant and and things that influencers and streamers are going through, but it wasn't like just packed with jargon. And then there's also making a horror comedy. I I, sometimes I watch it. I'm like, Oh man, like this, you know, it's, it's, you're not, not getting too many scares. This is a comedy or, or vice versa. This isn't very funny and they're trying too hard. It's more of a horror movie you blended so seamlessly the laughs with some truly creepy sequences that I think that, man, that's a lot of plate spinning to try to accomplish in, in 90 minutes. And, and you guys were able to do all of that. 
Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm, thank you. It's uh, it's so fun to hear anyone mention that it was scary at all to them because <laughs> we really didn't know. When we when we uh, we were testing the film, and there were definitely versions of it that weren't getting any jumps. And when we finally had to lock the edit and move on, like to the sound and stuff, we weren't sure that we had it quite there where any of the scares were effective. So it's been really fun to see it in theaters as it's been on the festival tour to kind of like see those jump scare moments where people scream out loud and you can see a visible reaction so that's just been really thrilling yeah i think in some ways we may have benefited from two brains because i know that joe because he's also was also the performer he was so hyper aware of the comedy just so nervous that he wouldn't be entertaining um and i was so worried about it not being scary sure so i think in some ways we may have benefited from having one person worrying about one thing more than the other i don't know i think so it's hard it's a hard i think when it happens it's almost magic like i was saying before it was a surprise that it worked so it's not like we tapped into a magic formula that we now have we're now like rewatching it with people trying to figure it out so we can do it again yeah i i i saw that when i saw that you guys are working together my wife and i um we own a small business and I, I go in there about once or twice a week, but I I know to stay my I stay away a lot of times just because you know we see each other all the time and business is business and I want to help, but sometimes I realize Christ I'm not really helping her right now I'm making things more difficult. Um, there's got to be advantages to knowing your writing partner as well as you guys do, but there's also got to be I mean if you're having a butting heads about a creative vision or hey this scene needs to change, you guys also have all the baggage of, hey, we live together, you know, we share our lives together. What type of an obstacle is it like that overcoming some of that stuff? Well, we try to get all of our awkward married people fighting out of the way before getting on set (laughs) so that it's not too embarrassing for us. Um, But I think think we benefit, (laughs) I don't know if you guys feel this way with your business, but filmmaking can be so grueling. It's also kind of nice at the end of the day to have like, have somebody to hold and be like, that was such a bad day. Yeah, it's like someone who actually understands because they're sharing the emotional weight of it too. So that's been really great. But as far as like, I mean, a lot of people ask that question, how do you actually make movies with your wife and still stay together? But for us, we met in a very highly stressful student film project where she was the production designer, I was the art director. And that's like, that's all we've known together. Um, So... We don't know. Yeah, like I would, not I would say creative. in some ways we're better at film than we are at like laundry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, I, it's being you guys are horror fans clearly, and it's um, it must be difficult. I think anyone that's ever watched a bunch of horror movies, like let me take a hand at writing a screenplay or whatever, it's so hard to come up with something original and it's so hard to walk the line between paying homage to someone that influences you and then kind of doing what they do i thought you guys did such a good job with the sam raimi influence without it being like we're just going to use sam raimi gags and i think that so many people can't do that it was very refreshing to see in the movie when the fingers are going up the nose and you got the 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 big the pop-out scare with a witch popping out over i'm like okay i can tell that they're fans but they're doing their own thing um, and just as a, a fan of the industry and as you know, a bunch of stuff and people like not being able to kind of walk the line between influence and lifting, it was very refreshing to see that you guys were able to do that in this movie. Well, thank uh, you. I mean, that's like one of the biggest compliments. That's so nice. Okay. Yeah, it's it was um, we were so scared because, you know, at some point 
before the movie came out, there was uh, this traction about Blair Witch meets Evil Dead 2. Right. And, of course, we love Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness and stuff, but we thought that putting that word out there, I mean, putting the title out there, like, people are going to want to hate it, you know? <laughs> sure. Like, that we think we're Evil Dead 2 or whatever, but people have been so nice about it. Um, I feel like early on, it was kind of hard to be, like, uh, paying tribute to without sometimes ripping it off. Like, at one point, I wanted to introduce a book like kind of a book of the dead kind of thing yeah is an exciting incident vanessa oh, come on like that's <laughs> that is evil dead and so i mean we did have to kind of walk some ideas back yeah i think some uh, we had some advantage in the in the found footage format um that we set up for ourselves the live stream was really unique and the cameras that we were using were, were really unique so in a lot of ways it prevented us from i mean some of the ways that sam raimi uh cuts his action sequences and horror sequences together are so awesome. Like I've yeah. seen them so many times, but because of the format we were using, we just couldn't copy it. <laughs> the, the part that though, that's so relatable is I thought like when Sean's walking into the house at first and kind of establishing the set, when he finds like the sigil in the closet, that, I was so I was so happy that he reacted the way that he did. That's how I would react. I gotta get. I have to smash this thing. I know it's evil. It's going to end up killing me at the end of. Like that's the way that I would kind of approach it. And it was, you know, there was a lot of fun and mirth as far as like where his character was and what he'd been through. And there was a lot of laughs, but there was also a lot of practicality in if one of us were running a webcast inside of a haunted house, other than just leaving immediately because it's not worth it, but then you don't have a movie. There was a lot of, I thought, very natural reactions to being in that spot when, I mean, we've seen the Geico commercial, let's go hide behind the wall of chainsaws. There's a lot of nonsensical stuff that happens in horror <laughs> movies, so that part of it was appreciated as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think we, um, I think we approached the movie trying to put ourselves in this guy's shoes yeah um just because i mean we are filmmakers so it was there was a lot of us thinking if we had to do a live stream and entertain people how would we kind of do it um so i'm glad that some of those natural reactions like came through we're starting to see that more and more in horror now that people are act like actually doing things that the audience would have done themselves. But it's like now if you actually have a reaction that you would have in real life, it comes across as funny because it's subverting expectations. So we knew that a big chunk of our comedy would come from not what you would expect in a horror movie, but what you would actually do in real life. If something bit you in the private. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great way to put it. Uh, Deadstream is available on shutter right now. I know a lot of my listeners have already checked it out. Encourage everybody to do so. It is an enormous amount of fun. Um, I don't know. Is this a, is it a mockumentary or is it found footage? It's so difficult because of the webcast angle and i know that um there's been some debate on if it matters or not but the genre i feel like has kind of matured so much now there's so many different ways to kind of it's not just okay there's a shaky cam and there's the cloverfield monster like it's become more sophisticated over the years and you guys kind of uh, implemented some of that stuff how would you describe the actual format of the movie um, I think it has been categorized by all the people that matter <laughs> as found footage. Sure. Um, the other term that's used is screen life, okay. uh, which is kind of like the post found footage. Um, another movie that would be categorized like that would be host, which takes place over a zoom call. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of those unconventional, maybe real time uh, type formats would be 
found footage subgenre screen life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's under the found footage umbrella. So that's what we call it. I love the genre. Um, some of my favorite horror movies are in that genre, and I think Grave Encounters, uh, Hell House LLC. There's there's a bunch of good ones out right now, but. Um, I, I the ebb and flow of it. I watched a documentary about the Paranormal Activity series, and they talked about how humongous it was. But it came after like a dead spell after Blair Witch, when people had fatigued, and then by the end of it, people were fatiguing again. And I, I still feel like you guys suffer. I look at that audience score; and it's amazing, but it's 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 for my money ten points lower than it should be. And I still think there's some residual ads ah, found footage. I'm, I'm not going to take it seriously. It's such a mature now way of shooting a movie and I identify it reminds me of a video game where I think video games are so scary because you're controlling the protagonist and you're experiencing it as he's experiencing it and found footage reminds me of that um and I'm glad to see it's kind of becoming a more complex like spam I talk about like spam like spam used to be something that you just eat if you had nothing now there's whole entire restaurants devoted to spam and all these culinary uh, masters are getting <laughs> involved in making it and now people look at it completely differently um, and I think that this movie feels like it's an extension of that, of this is kind of a maturing filmmaking process. I love our movie being compared to Spam. <laughs> <laughs> it's high praise if you can believe it. <laughs> uh, for, for me, I mean, I understand why that happened to audiences. There was a time when there was an oversaturation of found footage movies hitting the market. And it was really obvious when you're watching them that a lot of them were made for the wrong reasons right. because it was cheap and they just weren't as thoughtful. So I really love this resurgence of really high quality found footage that's been coming out. It's really impressive what people are now trying to do to subvert expectations, like taking us on a new ride. Like we've seen found footage before, but now, I mean, we're, we're adding like twists or gimmicks that we haven't seen. And it's a lot of fun. Talk to me about, VHS 99 uh, actually came out yesterday. You can check that out on Shutter. Such a fun series. Um, I, I love the kind of anthology aspect of it. Were you guys, when were you approached to be a part of this? It's so soon after Deadstream debuts. I imagine it was a package deal. What, what does it feel like becoming part of? It's kind of like, you know, you're the horror version of The Rock. It's like, all right, Fast and the Furious is already moving. Let's go ahead and add this component to it. So that must feel good. But I imagine, good Lord, you must be busy doing a lot of things like this as in addition to movie making. How did you get involved with that project as well? Oh, man, we were so lucky. So Deadstream had we've we've always dreamt of being part of the VHS franchise um, because it's so legendary yeah. and we love it. Um, after our movie premiered, I, <laughs> Joseph asked uh, somebody important at Shudder just point blank if there was going to be future VHS movies and that we'd love to be a part of them. <laughs> and it was very bold and. Afterward, we're like, was that too much? Did we go too far? <laughs> well, because they, they hadn't even bought Deadstream yet. They were just talking to us about, oh, we watched your film and we like it. And then I was just, can we be part of it? <laughs> and uh, and then we even said to follow up email. And um, anyway, the produ the the movie Deadstream had gotten to the producer that was that had the reins of VHS 99 and he really loved it. So they disclosed that they're making a film. They're already in production. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think somebody dropped out. Um, so we got an invitation late. We had already filmed most of the segments in LA and ended up just sending us money to film in Utah. And um, so we just, it was a whirlwind. Wow. It just we, from start to finish. It was a couple months and yeah. What, what's I mean, your life is I've I got a chance to film uh, be a part of a movie about uh, it's, I feel like it's two years ago now. 
and everyone's just sitting around waiting for VFX and voiceover stuff. And it's just, it's like, all right, it'll never come out. Like, I'll never see it. I stopped even thinking <laughs> about it. So I imagine if you guys are making your own stuff, it's so much of that sitting around and waiting for other people to do things. And now all of this is happening at once. I mean, what, how different are your, two, or how, how different are your lives right now? Well, um, with VHS, it was interesting because, like, on D- on Deadstream, our core team of producers did all the post-production, and so there were, there were no third parties that we were okay. waiting on. With VHS 99, we did our own editing, but they had a post house that was doing it in a more formal way. Sure. So that was our first taste of, like, you know, having to receive drafts from somebody else and kind of like reviewing things from afar but being part of like a a bigger machine albeit a smaller machine than your traditional studio movies so we learned a lot from that process but this one was exceptionally positive um with the people that they had working on it like there's a guy named justin martinez that does the vfx and he composited lightning into our short and he did a couple of blood squirt gags that didn't work on set and it looked incredible so we just had i mean we had such a positive experience kind of expanding and in that way but what you're talking about as far as things just dragging on for years that's the normal experience yeah and so it was very weird to have been shooting something over the summer and now people are already watching it yeah like that, that is pretty weird yeah, for perspective, for perspective, Deadstream was shot two and a half years ago. Wow. Before we started. And it's Halloween, and they're both on Shutter, and it's just, I don't know, man. The synergy's crazy, and it seems pretty perfect doing what it is you do. Um, Just a little, I don't want to keep you guys all day. I know you got a bunch of these to do, but um, horror in general, like I look at the theater box office and... Uh, Smile is number one at the box office. The Black Phone did a hundred million dollars. Um, you know, you got all the Jordan doing what he's doing with all the. I'm calling him like he's my friend. All the movies that he puts out there. Um, I I've been a horror fan my whole life, and first of all, I'm so grateful for Shutter as a platform, just because I'm like, oh look, The Gate is on here now. Let me watch that. And, oh, oh my god, here's eight new movies I can watch and a new TV show. It's just like a it's an embarrassment of riches, but it's also doing well in the theater like people want to go back and watch scary movies again in the theater and it's you mentioned what it was like watching your movie in the theater as opposed to how much i enjoyed it on my tv i imagine with the big sound and with everybody around to be even better it just seems like an incredibly healthy time for the horror genre right now one that one that i certainly haven't seen in my lifetime oh it's so exciting it's a great time to be a horror fan yeah there's so much good stuff and like even even seeing how well barbarian did yeah in the theaters is it's really exciting yeah it's um we're we're really fortunate to actually have had our movie come out this year which we thought was like too late you know that was like way later than we thought it would when we were shooting it but there's been so much great horror content in 2022 that i feel like it's a privilege to have um come out the same year yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Joseph and Vanessa Winters are on the show right now. Of course, uh, Deadstream is available on Shutter as we speak. And then the next installment in VHS, which everyone should love those. If you're not familiar, go back and watch all of them. It's just fantastic stuff. Uh, what's um? Are you guys sticking with horror comedy? Are we sticking with found footage? Is there a new direction? I'm like, I always like, I remember I, I played uh, Gears of War 2. And somebody told me, well, it's way, it's just like Gears of War 1. And I said, yeah, I like that. I, I want more of it. And they gave me more. So if you guys wanted to keep cranking these out, it'd be tremendous. But what's the next step after you find this success? Um, I, I don't see us leaving horror because we love it so much. 
Um, I think I also have a hard time seeing us do a super serious movie. Sure. So to me, that feels like we're going to be in horror comedy. (laughs) Being funny. Maybe maybe we could go a little sci-fi. We're probably, we're not likely to do another uh, found footage movie unless it was a sequel at some point to Deadstream. But you never know. You never know. Yep. Well, now you got an army of ghouls at your behest to command, so I would... Oh, spoiler alert. Jesus. No, everybody hit fast forward 15 seconds if you haven't watched <laughs> the end of the movie. I like, the, I like that title, Army of Ghouls. Army of Ghouls. <laughs> it's another hat tip. Another hat tip to the master. Uh, you guys are tremendous. The movie's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Uh, we have some really stuck-up losers that uh, comment on movies anytime we talk about them, and, and not one of them has had a bad thing to say about it, so mazel tov to that. And uh, can't, <laughs> can't wait to watch VHS as soon as I get home, and then I'm um, looking forward to the next project. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us on. It's really nice to meet you. Of course. Great stuff. Please go into see uh, Deadstream on Shudder. This is the Chad Dukes Show. Big Shoot is gaming and he wants you to be a part of it. Head over to Chad Duke Show Gaming on Facebook, turn on your notifications, and you'll know when Shooter is going live. Tune in to see big finishing moves, tall vampire ladies, and samurais in Tsushima. Follow Chad Duke Show Gaming to get all the info you need on any of the giveaways that take place as well. I, I don't remember if I said this on Thursday. It's possible I said it on Shoot Solo. I don't remember, Tor. Um, I don't know how he's as successful as he is. He is the most untogether person that I know. And that, that includes Ant-Man, that, that includes everybody that I know. As far as not having their shit together, he is the number one leader of that, including Jester. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example why. You can't lose your credit card every two weeks. You know what I mean? Anytime I have an appointment with Monk, he forgets that it's double booked, and then he just doesn't show. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, my kid, my kid, my kid. I'm like, you can't blame your kid for everything. This is the latest. On Thursday or Friday, one of these days over the past week, and they all run together, I got a text from Monk rather early in the morning for him, and then I got another follow-up text, and I didn't answer it for an hour or two because I was doing something. I forgot. I think I was at the shop. And he he then texted Ant-Man and said, Dukes blocked me on his cell phone. And Amy said, I don't I don't know, even think he can do that, man. And if he would have, if he could, he probably would have blocked me by now. <laughs> so Monk's like, no, I can't get it to go through. I don't understand what's happening. He didn't pay his cell phone bill. What? He didn't pay his fucking cell phone bill. They turned off his cell phone. The man is literally a millionaire. And they shut his cell phone service off like he's in the wire or something buying fucking burner phones. <laughs> Towards, it's it's outrageous. I told you he sent me two checks once, right? He sent me a check for he sent me a check and then he forgot that he sent me a check so then he brought me a check in person. I can't hear about Monk anymore. I can't. <laughs> he, he, he was a role model when I. He, well, you can't now. What? Now, do you feel better now about the Chislick business idea? Yes. You probably should go full shit. F- maybe full I fledged. should fade Monk. His phone got turned off, so he thought that I blocked. I first of all, let's say I was angry at Monk. I don't think I've ever been angry at Monk, but let's just say I was. Sure, he's the presenting sponsor of the show. I'm going to block him on the cell phone. It's not really someone that you would block. No, I would make every effort because we're friends. We're we're friends before he was a sponsor. We'll probably be friends after he stops being a sponsor. Um, I would want to work it out for those reasons, first and foremost. But also, I'm not really in the habit of fucking blocking a guy on the phone number that pays for the rent. Yeah. <sighs> how How is it? 
it shouldn't be mathematically possible for him to not I don't pay his know. phone bill. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to pocket watch. I know this is. I'm low key pocket watching, but it. Can I be old fashioned? Yeah. Can I be a little sexist? Sure. Why isn't the wife just paying the cell phone bill? Hey, you see all the money coming in? This giant fucking ocean of oil that's coming in. All I'm gonna ask you to do, you can have as much of it as you want. Just make sure that the cell phone stays on and the power is paid for in the cable. My wife, I don't know where the bills are. I don't know if they come in via the phone or via the mail. I've never seen a bill. She could have a nice little nest egg for herself as far as I'm concerned because I just don't know about anything that happens in the house. Right. Because I bring all the fucking money in. Why? If yeah, you see a letter that says Verizon or AT&T. But they text you. I, I, I don't know how it's physically possible. I've never, I've never heard of somebody like... An adult getting their their monk is no. the first person that I know that hasn't paid when, off their when cell I was phone. nineteen and like I had my first cell phone. I think I remember, but I didn't have the fucking money. I, I remember not being able to pay it, and they shut it off. And then you had to like pay them a certain amount, and they turn it back on. Right. He's a lunatic. He's a lunatic, and he's a he's a loony bin, and, and he needs to be in a loony bin. I love him to death, but I heard that, and I was like, God damn, do you not have your fucking house in order? It is out, goddamn rages. He's got kids. Why isn't one of the kids taking care of it? He's, hey, hey, I'm paying for everything. I have a cell phone bill. Make sure here's a credit card. Use it for whatever you want, but also pay for the cell phone bill. Return, return the golf cart. If you can't you know what, take back the if golf you cart. You can't get your cell phone bill paid off. That's a really good take point. Take back the golf cart. Take Mark, back the golf or, cart. Or give it to me. And also take back ten thousand dollars <laughs> worth of fishing line that you bought while you're down at the Outer Banks. Uh love money monk. Uh just I wish he I wish if, if you're gonna be a cuckold. Okay, but you got to be organized. You can't be disorganized and be a cuckold. That's the issue. Okay. Um, thank you to Monk for keeping the uh, lights on here. Monk's BBQ on Instagram. Getting a lot of positive feedback recently on the show. Uh, we had Brett Oliverio on, of course. Uh, Brett was the former producer of the Junkies, and people really seemed to like that, and uh, some of the old stories we told. Had Luigi Primo on last week. People really seemed to dig that. Um, people have been very nice, but the one thing that absolutely dwarfs everything else as far as what people want to talk about um including getting the boonda including our guy uh hot man boonda <laughs> who i guess is just become like a carnival barker for the soup scoop joe soup <laughs> like i've never even i mean it's it's unbelievable from french onion to broccoli cheddar this for me it's the soup scoop with Joe Soup getting I, that boonda. There he is. He's getting that boonda. Um, so I was working in the store on Commonwealth Dry Goods on Saturday. Thank you to everybody that came in. And uh, Ted stopped in. He goes, oh, you know, some of the dicks I got to tell you. I wouldn't give a fuck if I ever heard the BMI ever again. I'm, I'm telling you, it's been it's been weighing your, sto- your show down for, for months. And I'm like, what? I was like, that's. I was like, I'm, he goes, I, I prefer the soup scoop. The soup scoop is where it's at, Nukes. The soup scoop. And I said, Ted, you realize I'm a part of the BMI too, right? It's not just Amy. He's like, hey, it's not good radio. Fuck you. And so and I said, Ted, you only heard one soup scoop. Like, we got to know if it has staying power. And he's like, I think I speak for a majority of the audience when I say the soup scoop is where it's at. And that's what we prefer. He then came over. He was allowed to go out for some reason on Sunday, and he came over to watch football, and he proceeded to shit all over the BMI again <laughs> and prop up the uh, the soup scoop. Everybody seems to be into it. What were your thoughts in the, uh, the fallout afterwards? Look, it wasn't a perfect start. 
he, he forgot, Joe forgot the name of his segment. That's a, that's a problem. Multiple times. He had his phone. He had his notes on his phone. Didn't like that. Yeah. He brought in. All, he spoiled the next eight soup scoops he's doing. But he brought an energy and a charisma. He did. He he fumbled over his words less than Anthony does. He had some hot takes too. Like he doesn't like French onion soup. He had what? What do they say about broadcasting? If you're gonna have an opinion, make it strong. Make it interesting. I feel. He had interesting opinions on soup. He does, which is tough. That's a tough statement to say. Interesting opinions on soup. I can't imagine the last time I heard one. So we decided then um, to take it a step farther, and uh, we have filmed a two-and-a-half-hour movie based on the soup scoop. And it is um, we're going to debut it. I'm thinking maybe a double feature. Gigantors, we show this movie before Tapawingo, or maybe Tapawingo before this movie, like, you know, whatever charts better with the sample size. Sure. We have um, we have a two-and-a-half-hour movie uh, starring Daniel Soupview. Or no, what is it? Daniel Joe Dave Soup, I think is his, his actor name that he's going to do. Do you have the production ready to go? I do, yes. Over there, uh, we have the trailer. This will be the world debut, by the way. This is an exclusive, so Tor, I want you to clip this and get it out to the movie blogs. Of course. The second we debut it. Uh, proud to say, Scary Octopus Productions, our first feature film, There Will Be Soup, starring Joe Soupface. And here is... Here is the world trailer premiere. Coming soon to a theater near you. I'm a Superman, ladies and gentlemen. I have numerous chowders spread across this state. I have many soup kitchens flowing at many thousands of cups and bowls per day. I like to think of myself as a soup man. This Thanksgiving, the movie theater is the only place to see one man's journey to give the perfect soup scoop. So Campbell's offered us a million dollars for the little Boston chowders, and I told H.M. Tilford where he could shove that, and we made a deal with Progresso on the crock pot and that whole ocean of soup underneath our fields. Daniel Soupview has the soup scoop, but will he be able to come to grips with the oyster crackers that float in his own torment? I abandoned my bowl. Say it louder. Say it louder. I abandoned my bowl. I abandoned my cup. I abandoned my bowl. Now beg for the stew. Please give me the stool and let me get out of here. Louder, Joe. Give me the stool, Lord, and let me get away. Soup may be a meal, but sometimes soup can also lay simmering until it boils over. I'm Anthony. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, William Bandy, is it? Uh, I'd like to hit your bisque. I had asked for you to come talk to me before, and you were hitting bisque. Yes, uh, that's right, yes. My boy, he's been very hungry, you know. This was before your boy got hungry. Now, I know that you would like to simmer a bouillon base through my property. Is that right? What I've heard? Yes, absolutely. That's right. Uh, it's, it's an eight-inch pot on your oven with your consent. I guarantee you absolutely no supper disruption. Yow. God has told me what you must do. And what is that? You should be washed in the soup of the Italian wedding. Don't miss this epic thriller that is slow cooking at the box office right now. I drink your lentils! I drink them up! There will be soup. Rated R for parsley, barley, cheese, and broccoli. Can I just get a can of chicken and stars? I'm finished! Wow! What a tour de force! My god. Man, can you imagine the Rotten Tomatoes score on that movie, Tor? 
Checks every box. We got diversity. We've got an Asian lead. We've got a <laughs> co-star. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. It'll be interesting have with the with the voice dubbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's gonna have to match it up perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate to pull back the curtain, but it, it, so it wasn't supposed to go that way. Well, uh, they the boys were supposed to voice their own parts in the uh, trailer, and Joe just didn't fucking show up. So. Yeah, so then I was like, well, is Anthony just going to do his parts and then I'll do the Joe voice? Uh, so I just decided to do the whole Better. thing. Better. Thank you. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch that movie. I'd watch that whole movie. I would watch that movie. I think it's actually... Better that di Joe didn't show up for his parts. Not only a credit to your voice acting. Thank you. But, did uh, you know that he didn't show up, or did you think that I, was just him? I didn't. <laughs> I, I have uh, footage of Joe auditioning for, for a movie. You do? Up here, and him... Uh, uh, not being able to get through a sentence. You have footage of that? I do. It's on my phone. Well, what? Oh, I've, uh, yeah, he, what was that? It was the movie that we were writing up here, and then Joe was up here trying to go through oh, his lines. Oh, right. We were writing the horror movie. And he couldn't stop laughing, and he couldn't right, get through Right, right. Well, you got to find that. I could find well, why it. Did you, why would you tease that if you don't well, have it Well, because I know that Joe can't you know, get through a line. All right. Well, I'm, just, I'm just guessing if... It's also, it was also a critical line in the movie, if, in case we ever make fucking it. Fucking Sheehan and Lavero needed that audio, you'd have it immediately. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's still just me. Well, hopefully, we can, we can play that at some point. Yes, uh, Joe, we'd have to recast. We thought we'd have to recast Joe in the horror movie. Yeah. Because he couldn't get one line out. Um, well, there you go. There will be soup. Hopefully, uh, you guys will uh, enjoy that in the theaters this Thanksgiving, from what I heard. Friendos, if you're in the area, make sure you visit Commonwealth Dry Goods in scenic Old Town Fairfax. They have the very best in local candles, peanuts, gifts, chocolates, olive oil, hot sauce, along with ice-cold cheer wine, and both types of music on vinyl. You can check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Commonwealth Dry Goods or order online today at CommonwealthDryGoods.com. Joining me on the Monk's Barbecue hotline, Monk's Barbecue in Percival, is a gentleman that I noticed was following me one day, and then I clicked on his profile and saw that uh, well we chew a lot of the same dirt he seems to be interested in cryptids and in uh, uaps and ufos and explain and also a passion for the great commonwealth of virginia he's got a book out which i am holding in my hot little hand right now called strange tales from virginia's mountains uh denver michaels joins me on the chad duke show denver great to talk to you buddy how are you i'm doing good man appreciate you having me on Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, it was funny. I was talking to you a little bit before we uh, we got on the blower here, and you mentioned that uh, as of right now, we I'm speaking to you, you're in Roswell, New Mexico. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, me and uh, me and my uh, wife, we uh, we sold our house about two years ago, quit our jobs, and uh, we just started RVing full time across the country. And uh, yeah, right now I've been in Roswell for about a week. Any are you? Is this for a written project you're working on? Is this just because you know Roswell, New Mexico, seems like a pretty interesting place to to visit, especially now with all of this new information we have about UFOs and UAPs? Well, it's a little of this and a little of that. We uh, we were actually up in Albuquerque uh, for the Balloon Festival, and um, from there, um, you know, a couple weeks from now, there's a there's a big. Uh, chili cook-off down in uh, down in texas down in the big bend area and this was along the way so it you know just kind of worked out perfectly perfect as long as you're not storming the military complex like all of those dull <laughs> dullards were planning to do a few years back uh then we'll be all right um yeah no. 
I I, uh, I I have a lot of time I want to ask you about. Um, one is I uh, I'm fascinated by it. Appears a lot of the same things that you are. Um, one of the problems that I have, and I've, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about this and how difficult it is, is you want you want to believe in something. It's the world is more interesting if there are. You know, um, if, if if you're talking about a, there's a swamp ape living in Florida and there's a, a Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, you know, if there's aliens, it would, it would just be the supernatural and, you know, cryptids, they make life more interesting. I'm, I'm curious, you've written several books now. I mean, you, you, go, you go around the country looking and researching this stuff. Um, how does that affect what you do? I mean, do you have a desire for these things to be true? Are you objective? And how does that influence what you do? Yeah, I mean, for me, Chad, um, yeah, I, I definitely want these things to be true. There, there's, there's no doubt about that. But on the other hand, um, un- unlike a lot of people that write or, or, or do some of this research, I, um, I'm not all that interested in like proving anything. If that makes sense, that's not, um, that's not really what I'm all about. I just, uh, I, I, whether they're a lot of these things, uh, whether it be ghost stories or, or, or cryptid encounters, things like that, I um, whether they're true or not, I mean they're they're interesting, they're fascinating, and a lot of this stuff, I mean, it's so weird. I don't know how you'd even go about proving it anyway. So I, I just try to bring some some of these stories that, that I find fascinating to people, and you know, just kind of let them make up their own minds about it. As for me, I I stay open minded. And and to me, you know, just there's just so many um, reports of weird things, and um, that there's just got to be something something behind all all these reports. I would agree. Um, if you Google, like I always, I always. Um... I encourage people that are – I don't think it makes any sense, sense to be a skeptic. Like, I think you should process information and then decide. Like, if I go in and say, oh, I'm skeptical, I'll like sushi. Well, then you're probably not going to like sushi. You know, kind of <laughs> keeping an open mind is the way that I always look at it. And I always – when people tell me, like, well, it's stupid that you're reading about a Yeti or a Sasquatch or what have you. I'm like, well, just Googled recently discovered species and just read some of the weird stuff where we kick over a rock or it washes up on the you know we, we recently found out giant squids aren't myth you know those things exist and uh we know the gigantopithecus existed and i mean that looks a lot like to me um i i think that the the, the biggest argument in favor of hey you know because people always ask me well how come we haven't found a, a sasquatch skeleton yet or a skull and it's like well i mean have you looked at the woods in vancouver you know or the pacific northwest of america it's like how many people are going in there and then you know how many times do we think something doesn't exist and then we find one you know we find a mountain lion in mexico that was supposed to be extinct in california to me that's the most compelling argument you know that you could make that a lot of these things maybe have just been overlooked yeah i would agree with you i mean they're constantly discovering new species uh, you know um i would shoot i was reading an article this morning in uh, live science they just um discovered a new species of whale like up in uh, up in canadian waters and they're uh, or i think it was canadian waters but whatever the the, the point being like uh, a new species of whale and they're saying that uh, you know it's endangered so 
I mean, there could be, um, I, I've just never been of the belief that uh, we know as much uh, as we think we know. I don't think we've, um, you know, out here traveling on the road, right? I mean, there's just so much land and, and you know, most people are only, um, you know, even in these wilderness areas, just, just barely scratching the surface when they go hiking and, and things like that. There's just so much land out there. And virtually, you know, like down in Florida or out in the Pacific Northwest, um, up in Montana, there, there's just these impenetrable places that uh, I, I think a, a lot of things could be right under our nose. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't really rule uh, too much of anything out. All right, talk to me about you've chronicled a lot of these legends, a lot of these creatures in, in the book that I'm reading. You know, you're talking about werewolves and dogmen, there's sea creatures, there's all and this is Virginia. You know, this is not talking about going to some lock in Scotland to figure this out. Um, start with this, the wood booger, the Norton wood booger, which is maybe the greatest name of anything I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. It's about six hours from here. It looks like, um, like, what was it like looking into that? And what is the reputation of that creature when you're down there in the mountains in that town? Well, the wood booger, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it would just be, uh, you know, the, the local name, um, you know, down in Southwestern Virginia, of, um, you know, Bigfoot. I mean, it, it pretty much, um, meets the Bigfoot criteria in every way. And there's just been so many um, and, and credible sightings, just so many credible sightings down um, uh, down in Norton, down in Wise County, way down in southwestern Virginia, these things that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, what was it, that Animal Planet show, uh, Finding Bigfoot went down there and did a town meeting and, and all of that stuff. And the, uh, you know, the local um, city council uh, declared the city of Norton a wood booger sanctuary. Love it's it. actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually like a... Uh, you know, like a like a law that they that they put where it's uh, illegal to, uh, I think they say molest, uh, disturb, or you know, uh, whatever. You're you're not allowed to uh, harm the wood booger if you uh, come in contact with it. And you know, it's really kind of cool because uh, you know, down in that part of the country, um, it you know, it kind of brings people from all over down there to. Uh, you know, to, to check out the wood booger. And, uh, I think it's a good thing as, as far as, um, uh, you know, for people visiting the, uh, the, the, uh, area down there. And also I think it brings a little bit of awareness of, um, you know, what's going on out in the woods. What area of the country? I see you have a, uh, a, a picture here in front of the, the Mothman statue in Point Pleasant, which is one of the, the boxes I want to check at some point and drive across that bridge. Um, what area that you have traveled to um, that you have encountered embraces their, whatever you want to call it, mysticism, lore, what, whatever they're kind of synonymous with and known for, which people will travel there for, fantastical creature, which area of the country has embraced that the best, in your opinion? Well, uh, I think the best, um, I mean, the best is Roswell, man. I mean, they, they do it better than anybody here because uh, everywhere you look in Roswell, I mean, if it's a, if it's a, a, a local storage unit, 
you know, they got an alien head. Uh, you know, the McDonald's in Roswell is, uh, it's actually shaped like a UFO. And you go inside uh, where the, you know, where the kids play in the McDonald's and it's, it's like a UFO in there. I mean, it's like, I wanted to go like play in that, <laughs> in that, in that kid's area because it was so cool. And, you know, everywhere you look, uh, the street lights have little alien heads on them. The, uh, the Chamber of Commerce has put out these uh, displays, like, on the edges of town. And they really do embrace it. And, um, I, I, unfortunately, I've never never made it out here. But they do, a, uh, they do a festival, you know, every year, I think in July. And um, so they, they've really embraced it. And... Um, you know, there's a there's another little town also, uh, like in Kentucky, uh, Hopkinsville, where uh, supposedly there was a uh, an alien encounter back in the 50s, where, uh, where where these this family was like shooting at them all night, and uh, they um, they sort of embrace it, and uh, they do a um, they also do a, I don't know if they're still doing it, but before COVID, they were doing like a festival every year. And of course, uh, Point Pleasant. You mentioned that they they really embrace the Mothman, so uh, it, it's right up there too. Can I ask you something? How much do you think? Um, and I think the Skinwalker Ranch probably is the best example of a confluence of all these things, like interdimensional beings, Bigfoot, uh, aliens. It, it, it's got them all. And um, one of the things I was I was reading of the George Knapp's book about Skinwalker Ranch, and there's a bunch of documentaries out about it right now. And the one thing that kind of jumps out is the way that we could explain all of this is we're trying to look at them as separate events or separate creatures or separate phenomena. But if it's just access to a different dimension that we don't quite understand yet it could understand why a Bigfoot slips in and out of areas and is not able to be detected, why, you know, we watch these UAPs and they just explode up into nothing and they traverse through water and air. And if we're just kind of, we're looking at it from a wrong vantage point where we're just being accessed by just a different plane of existence, that it would explain ghosts, you know, it would explain phantoms and all of this stuff. If, if someone hypothesizes that theory, what do you make of that? Well, that's actually... Um that's actually where I come down on a lot of this stuff. Um, because let, let's face it, like with Bigfoot and, and I don't rule out that there could be a, um, you know, a, a species of great ape in North America that we haven't discovered. I, 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 I'm not saying that I don't rule that out, but at the same time, you have so many reports in places where I don't know. It seems to me like you shouldn't, you know, you, you shouldn't really have the, these reports. Like, I mean, you get, uh, you know, like the suburbs of Connecticut, you get a bunch of Bigfoot reports. You even get them, uh, you get them like out in the middle of the desert where they uh, really wouldn't have any any cover or, or um, you know, like good habitat. And, and you get a lot of high strangeness with these cases. I mean, a lot of people talk about Bigfoot having glowing red eyes. I mean, that's not something a, a, a great ape should have. People talk about Bigfoot uh, disappearing in like a burst of green light. I mean, this is this is very common in these reports. So if even Bigfoot were, you know, some sort of entity, whether it be like a uh, parallel universe or, or 
another dimension. I'm not smart enough to know how that would all work. But to me, that would certainly explain a whole host of um, strange phenomena and even even a lot of these uh, weird disappearances and things you hear about, like in the national parks and, and national forests. I, I think I'll, all of that could really be related, I think. I, I think one of the things to me that's been so compelling is now that we're kind of uh... – we're reducing the stigma around these conversations. At first, you'd be able to listen to this on coast to coast. Everyone would take it as a grain of salt. Those are crazy people, long haul truckers in the middle of the night. But you have, you know, Commander David Fravor. You got uh, Ryan Graves, the Navy pilot. I mean, these are these are credible guys vetted in an industry where, you know, you're you're not going to be able to find a lot of mental illness, and they're just talking coolly and calmly, giving interviews about what they've witnessed and. There is no explanation, and people say, "Well, it could be human technology." I say, well, okay, well, we've been seeing phenomena like this for decades. I mean, you go back to Project Blue Book. I mean, how long would humanity be able to sit on technology like this without implementing it, if it's something that we control? And I think that's what I find so exciting about the time we live in now is that the more you get away from, and let's be honest, it, it sounds like you and I can talk about this stuff and have fun. But there's a lot of mental illness that's drawn to this. And there's a lot of people that are bipolar and a lot of people that are schizophrenic. And, you know, they find solace in this fantastic stuff. And you got to kind of do this sussing out of all of the, you know, information and find out what is real, what isn't, who's looking for attention, what's information potentially given to you by entities like the government. I mean, we know that they've done that in the past. I, I like the fact that cool, calm, calculated, credible people are now coming out and speaking openly about specifically UAPs, um, and that just alleviates so much pressure on the rest of us for being able to discuss this stuff openly. Yeah, there really has been a uh, a big shift, and um, and even even like with cryptids and, and things like that, uh, there there's really been a big shift where where you can talk about some of this stuff. And I was, um, you know, uh, the the fact that you just now. Uh, kind of introduce that interdimensional you know hypothesis like uh, you know that's something that yeah, i used to be hesitant to even even talk sure. about because you know people just think it, it's kooky but you know we know that uh, uh scientists uh, say like these multiverses and and parallel universe uh, ideas uh you know if you get into all this string theory stuff that that there definitely could be um you know, other planes of existence that interact with our own. And it's, it is kind of exciting that, uh, you know, that you can sort of talk about this stuff without uh, automatically, um, you know, people thinking you're a kook. I mean, that doesn't mean that I'm not a kook. I believe in, <laughs> in, in all kinds of, uh, you know, government conspiracies and stuff like that. And, and for me, that that's another thing, you know, with some of this uh, UAP stuff, it's, uh, I'm kind of on the fence if, um, you know, it's like, why now, right? Why is, why is it so that, that the government sort of uh, shifted their tune? And, you know, I'm trying to uh, kind of work all that out if this is, Me uh, too. you know, some some other government uh, smokescreen where they're trying to change the narrative on things. But, but e even if that is the case, right, your average Joe on the street now is, uh, is kind of talking about that, this stuff. And so that's not a bad thing. Talk to me about there, there's so many different areas specifically in this book. And if you want to um, you want to check out Denver's book, you go to DenverMichaels.net. 
uh, pick up copies there. Um, also, signed copies available on the website or wherever you find uh, fine literature. You buy your stuff. But it's always good to go through directly through the publisher or through the author's website just because I imagine the profit margins are better. So, denvermichaels.net. Um, you've been to a lot of places, uh, a lot of ghosts, a lot of cryptids, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of sea monsters. What's the one place you were at where you personally were the most affected, where you said, I don't know if it's feel a presence or you could get a sense of things. I mean, I love being outside of the places you're at. It looks amazing, especially in Virginia. There's such beautiful mountains. There's such old mountains, too. People lose sight of that. I mean, so much older than the Rockies, so much more history. Um, give me a place or two where you were personally or physically affected yourself when you were doing some research for one of your books. Oh, my gosh. Well, <clears throat> uh down in uh down in florida man down in the uh down in the green swamp uh, that's that's just a huge tract of uh, protected land and it goes through several counties but it's kind of like south of orlando and in, in central florida there i was down there um you know back in the uh, back in the winter that's kind of where me and my wife stayed a, a big part of the winter and you know i've always been interested in of course, in Bigfoot and, and the skunk ape uh, down in Florida. And, and I think a lot of the, the skunk ape reports um, I've always thought were, um, you know, down in Florida, you just have all these invasive species and, and they have all these uh, these primate facilities and things like that. So I've always kind of been of the belief that uh, a lot of those could be, you know, maybe like a feral population of orangutans or something like that down there. So, you know, I just really like to get out in the woods down there. And I, I, I swear, man, I, I thought I had a, um, a, a skunk ape sighting down there. I mean, it was very, it was very brief, but I mean, I was a few miles back in the woods and, um, you know, just something just kind of like, caught my eye and i mean it just was like the uh, standard uh skunk ape reports it was uh you know about six to seven feet tall kind of reddish in color didn't look like it had a neck and and then it just like sort of slipped off in the woods and i never could i i tried my best i i couldn't find any tracks or or signs of it or anything and i've just to this day, I've just been left to wonder, you know, did I did I really see what I think I saw, or, um, or you know, was it my imagination, the uh, you know, the power of suggestion, that sort of thing. Um, so that that was a big place for me, and and another place um, in, uh, in Montana, man, in the, uh, around Flathead Lake. It's just this amazing lake. A lot of your listeners. Are, you know, on social media, they might have seen pictures of the lake. It's it's one of these, uh, uh, one of the clearest lakes, like, in the whole world. I mean, you can be, like, up to your chest in the water and, and see your feet. It's just amazing, gorgeous. But anyway, there's these long history of um, lake monster reports from there. And I swear, man, me and my wife were driving around the lake, and we just saw these, like, three humps in the water like you know like like nessie uh, that you would that you would see and then they just sort of just like sank down and uh, you know we've always just kind of like what the hell was that and um 
you know, we tried and tried to, uh, you know, uh, pull over and, and get a picture or something, but we didn't see it again. So those two places there really, uh, I'll forever have those in my memory. Yeah, Flathead Lake's gorgeous. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, Florida. Uh, I had a guy on called the Python Hunter, and his whole living is what you talked about, where there's so many. And I guess this is the way it's been explained to me, that Floridians, I mean, God bless them, but they're some of them have a screw loose, and they, they go and they let, <laughs> you know, they get a python or an iguana, and they don't want it, and they let it loose into the swamp. Yeah. And then now it's just they're rooting around and killing all the invasive species. And so this guy's got to go in and kill all these things. But then there's people walking around that are upset. He's killing animals. He's like, look, if I don't get these out of here, then everything else that lives here is not going to live here. I mean, this is a necessary evil. Um, and I think you're right. Like, I know there's a guy that produces for my show. You might have heard him listen off the sports station. And he worked for a facility where they tested monkeys for different diseases. And to just to hear about the stuff that went on. And they're like, of course, they could just open up the back door and kick them all into the swamp. Like, of course, that could happen down there. And then you have just like such remote wetlands as well is that we could. I think it'd just be foolish to rule anything out when you have that, um, you know, hodgepodge of flora fauna and animalia all kind of like in, in you know encased inside of an almost inac inaccessible um part of the country in some ways yeah florida florida uh, and, and you know not to upset any uh <laughs> listeners in florida but florida's a weird place it really is it just it just is and i mean i love it though i'm, I'm not saying i'm actually a florida resident since i started traveling but i love it but it is. It is just kind of a, a weird and unique place like no other. Yeah, I dig it. Um, all right, cool. So you're in Roswell right now. So when you're traveling, is it like you and the wife, we're, we're going to go to the Balloon Festival, we're going to have fun? Or is it, hey, I'm writing about this next. We need to hit X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you kind of map out what you're doing now? Well, what we kind of do is, is sort of like that. Like, if there's a... Uh, like, like we'll have some general sense of where we want to go, uh, kind of based on the weather, right? Living in an RV, I don't want to be, I don't want to be up in Minnesota in the fall. Sure. Right? So we're, you know, we're trying to, and I don't want to be in, in, in Tucson in July. Right. So we, we kind of, you know, use that and, 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 we want to be like either more toward the east or west so you know once we kind of get a general sense of where we want to be then i i'll have um just a list of places along the way that uh, once we have a general route planned out um that i want to hit and you know a lot of times i'll i'll visit places and just kind of um you know uh sort of put a do a little research you know just for something that i might be working on down the road i try to hit places like we talked about like roswell things like that and um in places you know that have a lot of uh cryptid sightings uh i like to get out in the woods and uh yeah, petroglyph sites things like that i try to visit and um we just sort of do it like that you know we'll uh like like you said, if, if I'm going to the Balloon Festival and we were there, there's all these other uh, petroglyph sites and things around Albuquerque. So I, I visit them while I'm in the area. So I sort of do it like that. I just saw you got a new book coming out, Strange Tales from Virginia's Foothills to the Coast, The Richmond Vampire, The Witch of Pungo, and The Dismal Swamp Monster. That sounds like a banger right there. You got to give me a give me a preview of The Richmond Vampire. 
Yeah, so um, and I'll have the publisher send you a book that's oh, coming you. out in in, in March. Um, and it, it, this book is going to follow really the uh, the same format as the uh, the mountains book that you have there. Pretty much will cover everything um, uh, east of the Blue Ridge, basically. But the Richmond Vampire. So there's um, there's a cemetery in Richmond, uh, Hollywood Cemetery, and uh, you know there's this uh, there's this guy there. Uh, uh, buried there ww pool and i mean supposedly you know he, he's a vampire like he's in, in this tomb there and uh supposedly there have been sightings of of, of this uh this vampire and so in the book i kind of get into uh how that um how that legend would have uh you know, because I don't really think that there's like a real vampire there. I think it's more of an urban legend, and I kind of talk about, uh, you know, how that legend, uh, you know, may have got started. Um, there was a there was a real bad. Um, there used to be a uh, a railroad that kind of went under the city there, and and it collapsed and and killed the uh, uh, the, the people aboard the train, and supposedly uh, one of the guys that. Uh, kind of climbed out from the tunnel but he was like all burnt up and you know his teeth were all messed up and and he died in that and some think that that is sort of like what led to this this vampire legend and i, I, I get into it more in the book i can't wait it helps that it's a big spooky crypt i'm looking at pictures of it right here i'm gonna check yeah 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 yeah, it's got all these. His crypts got all these like Egyptian motifs, and and uh, th they say that the WW like uh, resembles vampire thing, uh, vampire fangs, things like that. And uh, you know, supposedly at Halloween, like people will gather around the the tomb and and do these like weird chants and ceremonies. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much of that's true or not, but uh, have you ever done it's anything, a cool story. Have you ever done anything with the bunny man and the bunny man bridge here in uh, Clifton? It's about 10 miles from here. Yeah. It's going to be in the book, man. Nice. Dude, yeah, I went, yeah, I went over there. I was, I had to be 38 at the time. And like, I've heard about the bunny man my entire life growing up here in Northern Virginia, but I'd never gone to the bridge and I drove over there and, uh, you would not believe how fast they called the cops. I mean, we 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 jumped out. I didn't know it was on private property. I thought it was just a road that everybody could go on. And so we jumped out to take a quick picture. And uh, man, the cops were there so fast. You didn't have that happen to you, did you? No, I've uh, I've not had that happen. And I actually uh, for the book, I I didn't go to the bridge uh, and and get any uh, any original pictures for it. I'd been there like many 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 years ago. Um, but yeah, they uh, especially like around Halloween. I'd heard that uh, that yeah, I don't know if it's true or not, or if it's an urban legend too. But I've heard like at Halloween that like the police will you know just kind of set up, yeah, and, like yeah. Turn, turn people away and stuff. And and I get it; it's annoying to you know for residents to have all these people coming by. But you know, with that story, um, yeah, you're just gonna have that. See, here's the thing that I think's dumb about that. Have you heard about the those giant president heads that are like down by Williamsburg? There's these big. There was a there was a theme park. There was a presidential based theme park. I don't know why you'd make such a thing, but they <laughs> they took all the heads from these things after the theme park failed and they put them in a field. Right. So there's just all these giant president heads sitting in a field 
are outside of Williamsburg. Well, people were like breaking into the property and they photographers mainly. They wanted to photograph these heads like when it snowed and all these different things. So instead of of, of doing what the, the, the Bunny Man Bridge people are doing, which is try to stop everybody, they contained it where they said, look, we'll give tours from this hour to this hour. It's $15. You can come take as many pictures as you want. And I'm just like, why not just say, hey, on these these moments on the weekends, you can come see Bunny Man Bridge. It's 15 bucks. Take as many pictures as you want. And then you satisfy the curiosity and you also make some scratch on the side. Like to me, that's the no brainer of all no brainers. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's a lot of places in the, you know, across the country that'll, that'll kind of do that with some of these quirky roadside things. I, I think the worst thing you can do is like what the uh, what the Bunny Man Bridge people do, uh, you know, but, you know. That's kind of like how a lot of Northern Virginia people sort of are. Man, you ain't lying. You are not lying. You are familiar with I, the area. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I, uh, I I lived in Loudoun County for many. I'm originally from down in southwestern Virginia, but I lived in uh, Loudoun County for many years, and uh, you know, moved out to the Shenandoah Valley, but still worked in Northern Virginia. So, uh, Northern Virginia people can be very. Uh, self-important it's a nice way to say it and uh loudon county has only gotten more so since you have taken your egress sir so you made the right you made the right call um i check out the book it's great i'm about halfway through it now i'm really enjoying it uh i can't wait to read the new one it's strange tales from virginia's mountains the norton wood booger the missing beale treasure the ghost town of lignite and more and then uh, there's a bunch of books if you like ghosts and scary stuff and uh if you like outdoorsy stuff too um i highly recommend you go to the website denvermichaels.net he is on twitter at underscore denver michaels and the new book is coming out next year um and get yourself a signed copy on the website that is very cool great talking to you man let's um let's circle back around when the next book comes out and we can get an update and talk about some of the stories in there and in the meanwhile i'm gonna go check out the uh, i'm gonna go vampire hunting down in richmond some weekend i'll let you know how that goes <laughs> yeah please do man <laughs> On November 12th at Flying Ace Farm in Lovettsville, Virginia, the Chad Duke Show will be hosting the Son of a Santa Double Oaked Bourbon Release Party, including a Thanksgiving dinner buffet, a live podcast, prizes, special guests, and much more. Save the date, everyone. November 12th at Flying Ace Farm. I will not be joining the hunt for that witch. There's a part of me that thinks that's ridiculous, but then there's a whole different side of me that says, don't tempt fate, fat boy. You stay in your lane. I'm super excited for There Will Be Soup. The red carpet event for that should be pretty entertaining. And God, I wish I was doing video while Dukes was laying down those tracks. That was that was just as entertaining as, as hearing the read. Damn it, man. And I absolutely love hearing those that are starting to make their way in Hollywood in their early days, being all appreciative of all the positive they are getting from people. I have to assume in that industry there's so much negativity on a regular basis that this has probably just been a hell of a breath of fresh air for those guys. Super proud of them. Really excited for what they have to come. But that's it for today, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for checking out the show. I hope you enjoyed the brand new audio and the best of segments. And as always, if you want to keep up with the show, chaddukeshow.com. That's for anything you need. Episodes, social posts, FAQs, subscriptions, you name it. We got you. Check out the socials, facebook.com slash the Chad Duke show, Twitter. It's at Chad Dukes and Instagram. It's at Chad Duke show. 
And if for some odd reason you need even more entertainment, I understand. Instagram, at Virginia Pizza Crusade. And if you have a need for, I don't know, records, shirts, candles, peanuts, or dry goods in general, you get your ass over to Commonwealth Dry Goods. Support a small business. And my good friend, Monsieur Chad Dukes. I appreciate all you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. Love you, love you, love you. And if the good Lord is willing and the creeks don't rise, Dukes and Tor will see you back in here on Monday evening. Roll out the... <laughs> <laughs>